الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب إليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله من الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد The uh, talk uh, that we will be giving now is regarding uh, the Sahaba and the view of those deviant groups regarding the Sahaba of the Prophet So before we get into the topic in earnest, it's important that we have to lay down certain principles or fundamentals by which we can understand this topic. Uh, the first of which is that the division in this Ummah into different groups and some of these groups or the majority of them being deviating from the truth is something affirmed upon the Prophet for indeed our Prophet has informed us in a number of ahadith that his Ummah would divide into 73 groups 72 of them would be destined to the hellfire and only one would be destined to paradise and when questioned as to their identity, the Prophet ﷺ responded that they were those who were upon what he was upon and his companions. So that deviation was to occur in this Ummah is something which the Prophet ﷺ forewarned. And indeed the Prophet ﷺ informed us that we would follow the path and the ways of those who came before us such that even if somebody from the previous nations was to have sexual relations with his mother publicly in the road there would come somebody from this ummah who would do the same so all the deviation and corruption whether in beliefs or in worship or in conduct that one finds among the previous people the previous people who followed their prophets one finds in this ummah certain people who have followed that now the Prophet ﷺ identified that group which was going to obtain salvation as ma'an alayhi wa ashabi, those who were upon that which he was upon and his companions. And this is in confirmation of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in his book. For Allah in the Quran has said, that he who splits off from the messenger after guidance has come to him and he follows other than the believer's path so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned two matters splitting off from the messenger after guidance comes unto you and following other than the believer's path who is the believer's path obviously refers to first and foremost the Prophet's companions we will keep him in the direction which he has selected and we will burn him in hell and what an evil end so in this ayah in Surah Nisa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that those who split off from the messenger وسلم, after guidance has come to them so in other words they know that they are splitting off it's not out of ignorance or out of not being informed and they follow other than the believers path other than the path of the companions and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has commanded us guide us to the straight path and he's told us this straight path is the path of those who he has blessed 
who did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless? It was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his companions. So therefore, guidance cannot be divorced, cannot be separated from following the Prophet sallallahu companions. For it is they who have conveyed unto us the Prophet sallallahu religion. The Qur'an, as we know the Qur'an to be the words of Allah it was the Sahaba who transmits to us the Qur'an. And that is why if you look at any Mus'haf, at the back of any Mus'haf, you will find at the back there will be something written saying that this Mus'haf is the text has been written according to the narration or the recitation of so and so who took it from so and so who took it from these are the companions of the Prophet who took this from the Messenger of Allah who took this from Jibreel who took it from Allah this is in every single Mus'haf printed in the world. And of course the Sunnah of the Prophet one will find in any book of Hadith whether Bukhari or Muslim or other than that you will find chains of narrations where the authors mention from whom did they take those narrations from whom did they take those narrations finally ending up from the Prophet so the Quran and the Sunnah were conveyed unto us by the Messenger of Allah's uh, companions now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised these companions uh, often in the Quran and likewise the Prophet has praised them in many of his narrations uh, among the verses in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised the companions uh, Allah's statement in Surah Al-Fat لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ فَعَلِمَ مَا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Allah is pleased with those who gave you allegiance underneath the tree and there are 1,400 and this bay'ah refers to uh, when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was sending, was heading out to make Umrah, and the Mushrikun prevented him from making Umrah, and it was the concern was that it was going to break out into some sort of altercation, some sort of fighting. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam took a bay'ah from his companions that they would stay firm until death. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying Allah is pleased with those who gave you bay'ah underneath the tree and gave you this oath on the tree and Allah knows what's in their hearts so in other words if Allah knew what's in their hearts it means that their words when they gave this oath are true they're not uh, they're not something which uh, uh, which they have just said but in their hearts they don't hold that but rather these are true and likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that they are not equivalent those who spent their money and fought before the conquest of Mecca that they who spent and fought before have a greater uh, reward or greater uh, degree higher degree than those who spent and fought afterwards that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning both parties, those who spent and fought before and those who spent and fought after the conquest of Mecca and each party Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised a husna, the good what is a husna paradise? so this is a promise from Allah that he promised those who, who spent and fought before the conquest of Mecca they entered into Islam and those afterwards after the conquest of Mecca he promised them all paradise 
This is again another uh, praise of them. And likewise the Prophet وسلم, in many narrations also praised uh, the companions of, uh, of, of his and has told us of their many, in many hadith about their virtues and their merits. And for this reason the people of the Sunnah those who, who, who follow what the Prophet was applying uh, among their principles is that their hearts are free from any hatred towards the Prophet's companions. And likewise their tongues are, are free from any sort of ill speaking uh, concerning uh, the, the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For indeed the Prophet Sallallahu has said in a hadith do not insult my companions for by he who, is, who, is, who in his hand is my soul meaning by Allah if any of you were to spend like Uhud mountain in gold it would not be equivalent to uh, what is given in food charity a half a handful or a handful of, of food and charity so in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ is making a difference between the people and his companions in two matters First of all, in what is given, because he says, well, if you were to give like the mountain of Uhud in gold, and here if they were to give, meaning of food, whether it's a handful or half a handful. And likewise in quantity, the mountain of Uhud versus a handful. So this shows the great difference between the Prophet's companions and us. And so therefore, the, the people of the Sunnah, they recognize this, and do not speak ill about any of the companions based upon this hadith of the Prophet And likewise, they recognize that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ are of different degrees. They are different levels. Uh, for this reason, they uh, put forward, as Allah mentioned in the ayah which I, I, I mentioned, those who fought and spent before the conquest of Mecca, which is reckoned at uh, the, the, the bay'ah which was given at Al-Hudaybiyah. And likewise, they put as a group, they put the muhajirun into the ansar. You know, Allah in the Quran mentioned the muhajirun, and then he mentions the ansar. And likewise, they say that the best of the companions are the people who fought at Badr, who were 313, or 315. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah said, looked at them and forgave them all their sins, and said, do what you want, for Allah has forgiven you. Now, and likewise, they, they recognize, for instance, the special rank of those ten who the Prophet ﷺ said that they were in paradise. These are Prophet Muhammad said, Abu Bakr is in paradise, Umar is in paradise, Uthman is in paradise, Ali is in paradise. And he mentioned ten of his companions, Talha and Zubayr and Sa'id and Sa'id and Abu Ubaidah. So these were from the ten companions of the Messenger of Allah that were mentioned in this one hadith. And they say the best of the companions is Abu Bakr, then Umar, then Uthman, and then Ali. As has been confirmed upon Ali himself, and as the evidences from the Sunnah point to. Uh, and at the same time, they love the Prophet's family. And they recognize the rights of the Prophet's family. Because the Prophet's family are not only from the companions of the Messenger of Allah, but also because they have the additional right that they are related to the Prophet. And so they recognize the right of them, and they also recognize the rights of the wives of the Prophet Because the wives of the Prophets are not only from his companions, but also they have the right of being his wives. And they are Ummahat al-Mu'mineen, the mothers of the believers. And they reject the way of those who speak ill about the Prophet's companions. And likewise, they recognize that the Prophet's companions were not Prophets. 
I mean, for instance, the Christians now. The Christians refer to the companions of Isa ibn Marim as apostles, as messengers. And they consider them to be free of any sin or error. See, the Christians, they had a, a problem in their belief. When the Christians raised Isa alayhi salam to the, to the position of being Lord, so they need now messengers. They took his companions and made them apostles, messengers. And that's why they believe, for instance, that the Pope is infallible, because they said he inherits from what they had inherited from. But the Muslims do not consider the Prophet's companions to be infallible, free from sin or fault. But rather what we say is that if any mistake did proceed from it, that mistake is uh, nothing compared to all the good deeds that they have. And that concerning what arose from them in differences of opinion that led to uh, fighting between them after the death of the Prophet uh, they say that these matters, uh, they were exercising their ishtihad. They are between two and one rewards. And that they are forgiven from Allah uh, for their faults and therefore they only speak uh, well about them because what they possess from knowledge and good deeds and jihad and giving and spending and so forth cannot be compared to anything which of faults can be attributed to them if it should be found amongst them any faults. Now, we want to, with this understanding we want to now come to the issue of the different groups and what they say regarding the Prophet's companions. In general, all the astray groups all the groups except for the people who follow the Sunnah of the Prophet have a problem with the Prophet's companions in one way or the other. The most severe of them, of course, is what we know as the Shia. And the Shia are different groups and different sects. Because they are known in the Ummah for actually reviling the Prophet's companions. And insulting them. And attacking them. Uh, and accusing them especially the, the majority of the Shia, which are the twelve or the Imami Shia, uh, of that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, with the exception of five or six, after the Prophet's death, all apostated from the religion of Islam. And by saying this, I mean, if you just to take this at face value, it would mean what? It would mean that the Prophet ﷺ had failed in his message. Because if the Prophet ﷺ was with people for 20 odd years teaching them, uh, some of them he married, uh, some of them uh, married his daughters, they were related with him, they fought with him, they lived with him, he taught them, he was in charge of them for 20 years and so on. Then, after, as soon as he dies, with the exception of five or six, they all decide to leave what he was upon. That means, right? just based upon just on, on the basis of, uh, of of just face value that the Prophet would have failed in his message and this of course is unbelief nobody can accept that because the reality is that Islam has spread everywhere and the Prophet is the most successful of any person calling to anything in, in, in the history of humanity so this is obviously a contradiction which you can't have it on both ways Likewise, the, 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 uh, the implication of this would be that our sources of our religion, by which we define Islam by, and we worship Allah through, the Quran and the Sunnah, we would have to cast doubts and aspersions to that, because if it is these people who gave to us, who, who transmitted this to us, were themselves not upon the truth of the faith of Islam, then how can we, ex how can we be certain of what they have given to us is that they conveyed it truthfully? 
Especially if they were to say that they have apostate, that they left the religion of Islam. So then we must we would, we would have doubts regarding the Quran and we would have doubts regarding the Hadith. So the Shia are the most extreme of all groups in terms of the reviling of the companions of the Prophet. Now, I'm not going to uh, spend time now to uh, recite or relate what the Shia say about the companions because I think this is something which we shouldn't, you know, uh, repeat. There's no there's no need to do this. We're aware of their attacking of the of the companions of the Prophet. And that suffices us to understand that this is a very uh, evil group and very evil belief and very evil statements. In fact, if, they, if any person has this type of belief that all the companions of the Prophet have apostated with the exception of four or five or six or ten, this is in itself an act of disbelief. And this it's in itself leads a person to fall out of Islam. Now, the other groups also have problems with the Prophet's companions. And I'd like to bring out here, uh, for the value, uh, two groups point out. I mean, I don't want to go through all the different sects because, first of all, we don't have much time, and also because I want to just focus on those groups which are widespread and have uh, quite a much of influence in our time as well. Uh, we talked about the Shia. Now, obviously, the Shia are very widespread. They have a country, a state, which publishes millions of books to their beliefs. They also have people which go around the world and preach their beliefs. They have millions of followers. And so this is obviously a very big tribulation trial for the Muslims. Now, another group of people which also has a position concerning the Prophet's companions are those groups or sects which have been influenced by Greek thought, especially when it comes to matters of belief. Uh, you find among these groups, among some, like for instance, like the Eshaiis and others, that they have a principle. They say that the way of the Salaf, meaning the way of the companions, uh, regarding matters of belief, matters of the unseen, while it is uh, safer to follow their way, the way of those who came after them, the Salaf, is more knowledge, has more knowledge and more wisdom. They say, to summarize their beliefs, because their beliefs concerning, for instance, Allah's attributes, or concerning Qadr, or concerning other matters of Aqidah, uh, you cannot find any of the Prophet's companions, or even the second generation, or the third generation, espousing any of these beliefs. So there's a problem here. How do they come with some beliefs? which neither the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi talked about, nor did Abu Bakr, nor did Umar, nor did Uthman, nor did Ali nor did the Tabi'in, nor did the Atbar Tabi'in. How, how can they now bring this into agreement? So they said, well, the way of the Salaf, yes, it's sounder, it's a safer way. Not to say what we are saying, but the way of the later generation has more wisdom and more knowledge. Now this in itself is a very serious statement. Because what it means is that they are saying that their understanding of the religion is better than the understanding of the Prophet's companion. And that they have the ability to, to, to delve into issues which the Prophet's companions could not delve into. And for this reason they permit for themselves to enter into a lot of speculative issues regarding matters of belief. So for instance they do not accept Allah's attributes literally as mentioned in the Quran and the Hadith but rather they say they are figurative. And concerning different aspects of belief, they have their positions, which is really not a place to delve into at this time. So this is the second group of people, which are very widespread. A third group of people, 
have been influenced by the Shia and this group of people but without them realizing that they've been influenced by and this is what you would call now uh, the modernist movement the modernist movement is not a sect as the traditional sects are in the sense that uh, they have a, a, a person who founded the beliefs and they have books and so forth but rather it's a hodgepodge of ideas and and thoughts from different groups and different sects and so forth and basically it's, it's, main, it's main undercurrent to it is the notion that in order for Islam to be valid we have to sort of make it more contemporary in other words we have to sort of take the teachings of Islam and sort of you know, make it better catch up with the 21st century now, huh? So this is this is the basic thing. So they feel they feel the pressure of living in the contemporary world, and how do you stick firm upon the past and, and deal with this? So they think so. So they've been influenced by a lot of these these ideas concerning the Shia, by the Shia, and uh, also by the other groups. And so basically, while they might not speak ill of the companions in the sense they will not maybe revile the Prophet's companions but they look to the understanding of the Islam by the Prophet's companions as to be a faulty understanding and that's why to them issues like when you say well this is the Ijma this is the consensus of the Prophet's companions they, they don't see this is, means anything to them and they say we're men and they're men there's no difference between us and them and some of them will even go to the point saying well, we understand what they don't understand we know contemporary chemistry and physics and what have you and so forth and these people were unaware that they were in the 14th century half the 1400 years ago how could they they know these these matters 